Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, welcome to Unsheathed number 56. I am... What? It's 56. We don't count the live episodes as number, do we? Well, why does it say 56 on the email and you didn't correct me? It's 56 on the email that you sent me. That you didn't say, oh, this is 57. Ah, fine. Welcome to Unsheathed Presents number 57. We I didn't am... lose an episode this time. No. We didn't lose the... an episode last time either, for the record. Well, we fired the intern, so we're not going to lose any more. Uh, I am Kyle Gold, who knows practically nothing of Miley Cyrus other than her role in Bolt. And I'm uh, Kennesaw Mountain Hirosaki, in uh, honor of the upcoming baseball postseason. I was going to say, I'm surprised nobody ever guessed that the KM stood for Kennesaw Mountain, and then I figured the people who listen to this podcast probably have no idea who Kennesaw Mountain Landis is. Plus, I don't think he went by KM Landis. No, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. Just don't, just don't I don't care. Baseball's song. stupid this year anyway. Um, Plymouth. Well, where the hell? Oh, never mind. I'm waiting for somebody to start a furry baseball league now. Um, I, I do have to actually repeat. Uh, Lovejoy Weasel was asking me when I'm going to write a baseball book, and he said you'd have to write a book in which there was a, uh, in which you told the audience it was still a really good book, even though they only scored once. <laughs> But you have to imagine it in the Lovejoy voice. <laughs> I don't know if I can bring myself to do it now. <laughs> I'm actually thinking, like, hey, like I could write, you know, like a World Cup erotic novel with some Algerian fennec. Oh yeah, and uh, I don't get scored on over and over. But by whom? Uh, I don't remember what the other animal. Landon Donovan has a hot dingo. It's always dingoes with you. I know. Well, that that was my big World Cup fantasy. Was if dingoes are Australian, why are you putting on Australian on the U.S. team? Because dingoes are hot, and so is Landon Donovan. Yeah. Anyway, that doesn't really qualify as an "I see what you did there." Just so you know. No, I know. No, I know. Um, in case you were not able to attend our live episode at Rainforest, which was number fifty-six, we have. We had a great time. We um, did. It was an awesome con. It was an awesome con. It was an awesome podcast, I think, mostly due to all the people in the audience. Um, and to a certain specific few people who we want to give a shout out to, Running Cat and Dragon Man Mike both brought us beverages. Yes. Coke Zeros and other assorted things for me and various wines for my co-host. And yes. Both of those bottles of wine were both very good. And... I have to say, it's the first time I've tried Canadian Coke Zero. And that was, I think, the first time I had British Columbian wine. So, we were we were uh, regaled with the fruits of Canada there, verily. Uh, Cario did a wonderful job running the mic around the room. He's a little panther, so he was able to be very agile and quick. The uh, staff of Rainfirst, specifically Gene, Zodiac, and Rufus, who all provided support for the writing panel at... Um, the podcast and provided us with a digital projector 
with which we showed our special secret project, which you can now see on YouTube. Yeah, and Rainforest has always had a pretty solid writing track, or at least over the they last have. two years they have. Yeah, I'm very impressed. Yeah. And Gene is the one who really drives that. Yeah, he's the Gene's vice a great guy, the by the way, for those of you who don't know him. He is, and he's really, really bent on making Rainforest one of the the premier furry writing con. Yeah. Oh, and he announced the uh, anthology at closing ceremonies at Rainforest, so I think we can talk about that. Yeah, he kind of had a couple Where? panels on it during the con too. Oh, oh did he? Okay, I yeah. didn't actually go to any of those. <laughs> they're going to be they're going to be putting out a anthology of short stories. Yeah, from congoers. What did he say about it at closing ceremonies? Uh, basically, just that. Um, well, first of all, all the proceeds are going to be going to charity. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's basically instead of just you know, I know most cons have like a con book where they'll like put a few very short stories together but this is the first time i've ever heard of a convention like having just like a fiction anthology which is actually kind of cool it is it's an ambitious project yeah he's been talking to me for a little while about um sort of how to put it together and where he might publish it through and all and all that i'll be happy to contribute to that as will i and speaking of publishing i'm gonna segue into our last thank you uh, we want to thank So Full of Press for providing my co-host with a glass from which to drink his wine, since <laughs> Coke Zero you can drink right out of the bottle, but yeah, wine not so much. Drinking wine out of a bottle, uh, I think, makes you an alcoholic. Or at least puts you on the path. Yeah. I'm not quite that bad yet. But anyway, I highly recommend Rain First for next year. And if you could not make it to Rain First, but would like to come see us live... We will be doing a show on October 23rd in San Jose, southerly San Jose. We'll post the address sometime real soon. And we'll be podcasting in the evening. There will be, I don't know, beverages and some entertainment. And we will uh, have some of my books for sale, I believe. Oh, will you? Including the Anthology X, which you are also featured in. Yes, I am. I'm quite uh, happy with my story on that one. And we'll definitely have our unsheathed DVDs in case you want to pick up some of the earlier episodes. Uh, I believe that's all. Speaking of Rainforest, actually, I spent a whole bunch of the con hanging out with uh, two-thirds of the guys from Unfurled. Oh, yeah. Uh, with, uh, and- with Tal and Roland. Uh, Vox wasn't there, but I was hanging out with them. This really was like the Canadianist con I've ever been to. It was. Um, I would agree with that. But yeah, no... Uh, and I got permission to say this. Um, Roland from Unfurled did do an interview with Kyle and I many, many months ago that didn't quite get finished. And uh, so we put the finishing touches on that over the uh, past weekend at the con. And uh, We did it actually in the middle of a panel, I believe. <laughs> yes, it was during a panel. It was actually pretty funny. Uh, so we had like an audience for it. But uh, that will be... Not as uh, good as the audience for our podcast, well, no. of course. Our audience was awesome. It was. Also, they were there on purpose and not by accident. <laughs> well, I like to think that had something to do with it. Uh, but yeah, no, they assure me that uh, that should be up soon. Um, There's actually something I was, I was wanting to say about this, but it just kept getting put off. Uh, but I actually, in that interview, give my first 
like look into what Summerhill is actually about, which I had avoided saying in either my journal or on this podcast because I wanted to be able to give like a shout out to that. And it's been so long since we recorded, I don't even remember what I said about it. Yeah, I have no idea what you said either. Yeah, but I but for people who want to know more about Summerhill, listen to the interview that Unfurled puts up. And actually, Unfurled's a pretty good podcast that I think that folks here, uh, you know might like it's sort of like a canadian not cast that's about half as long and not as much sex <laughs> right no uh now they talk about uh weird news and furry information and that sort of thing i'm getting caught up on there and i believe they catalog. did say don't listen to any episodes before what was their cutoff 15 something like that something like that in fact i think their old episodes drop off their feed manually mm, okay and uh, while we're on the subject of interviews, I did an interview recently with uh, Sad Cheetah's podcast, Furry View, which I've posted something about on my live journal, I believe, at com. But if you look up Furry View podcast on Google, you should be able to find yeah, it pretty it's, easily. It, you can find it through the iTunes store, too. Okay. I checked earlier today because I wanted to put that interview on my iPod. I haven't listened to it yet, though. Yeah, I think I I think I come off okay. He asked some good questions, actually. Oh, okay, I look forward to hearing that. That was fun. I'm also curious as to how much of our giant interview with Roland makes the cut into the actual podcast. Yeah, we talked for like an hour and a half, and yeah. he said he was going to trim it down to 25 minutes or something. We'll see. Maybe he'll have some deleted scenes. Uh, in sort of brief news as to what we've been working on, I posted recently that I finished the Next to last edit on Out of Position 2. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I know you've been working very hard. You've been working harder than me lately, certainly. Plans are in the works to unveil the cover and title at Midwest Fur Fest. We will be either doing a SoFool preview panel or a Fall Furry Meet podcast or both. And the cover and title should be revealed at one of those that's my exciting news other than that i'm just working on random stuff here and there getting ready for our live show and whatnot i have more semi-official news on summer hill that i can't talk about yet uh all i can say is that there is yet again an increased likelihood that it will see print and an even more increased likelihood that it won't be anytime soon but uh people have been booking me for a decade now that you should put out a novel so if they've waited that long they can wait a little longer yeah that's what i always think but my fans don't agree eh. well see i haven't given them the satisfaction yet so they can't hold me to that standard like they can with you well that's true i guess if you just make people wait and draw it out then the climax is that much more satisfying huh that's my ammo. Why don't you read a letter? I think I will. I must admit that I haven't finished all the episodes of Unsheathed, but I just want to ask something. No offense, but isn't the name Hirosaki supposed to be pronounced like Hilosaki? Well, if it is a Japanese name, the spelling of R in that language, such as Rari Ru Re Ro, are pronounced like L's, like Lali Lule Lo. I'm asking this merely because I haven't noticed Hirosaki-san was in the Unsheathed episodes until Presents number 4. So, I'm actually confused up to this point. Like, I've been here since moment one. Uh, I don't you, know how you can miss that I was on the show. I'm one of the, the only podcast. two people. We didn't really add you later. But. I know. My name is on the episodes and when you go to the podcast. Um, 
I know the name is, you know, Cam Hirosaki, but I just didn't, uh, it didn't come to him that quickly because he does speak Japanese. Uh, I apologize. I am sorry, really. Uh, this is from Kokushi. So, okay. Hi, Kokushi. I'm going to go into linguist nerd mode here. Uh, so, from an orthographic standpoint, you which do is that very well, I should add how you how you write things. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Um, the sound in Japanese when transcribed into Roman letters uh, is ninety nine point forty four percent of the time given as R and not L. Uh, this actual sound, if you want to get technical, sort of sounds like a cross between L R and D. It's dariduredo. Uh, you put your tongue in the same position as you do when you're pronouncing the T in the word water, and you sort of flick it to get that D sound. Mm-hmm. Um, as it turns out, a little bit of trivia, the actual, like, the er sound that we have in English is actually, linguistically speaking, very rare. There aren't very many languages that use that. No, I was going to say, I know there's yeah. uh, African languages where the L and the R's are... Basically the same as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so the different, it's not so much that. Not concatenated, but. Yeah. It's not so much that, oh, in Japanese it's an L and not an R. It's sort of like in between both of them. Uh, But it's it's usually just written as an R. Uh, So, like, when we're speaking in English, as we do. Uh, it sort of becomes more of an R, like Hirosaki. If you if I were speaking in Japanese, I'd say Hirosaki. So I mean, it, it it's not like ol, which is it's also not that sound. So yeah, it's the well, and <clears throat> I mean, I I recall I know there's the stereotypes about the Asian languages and L's and R's and mm-hmm. stuff, and I believe the stereotype is that Japanese contains more R's and then it's Chinese that contains the L's. Because and the way that I remember that is in World War Two in mm-hmm. the Pacific, the Americans would put pass assign passwords to their bases that were words like lollipop, because yeah. the Japanese would not be able to say that in the distinctive American way. They would end up saying it with the the yeah. L and R sound, and so they wouldn't if even if they knew the password, they wouldn't be able to say it properly. Yeah, like one word that will trip native Japanese speakers up is railroad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so tech, if you want to get technical, it is, you know, Hirosaki. But you can't really just say that in a flow if I'm in the middle of an English sentence. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't want to linguistically nitpick myself, but since you did ask, uh, that would be my answer. I, I thought it was interesting enough. No, it is. Um. All right, so we'll move on. We're doing we're doing unsheathed around the world today. Whoa! Um, that can be a calendar. I don't know if this next letter is specifically from Canada, but it mentions Canada, so I, I I do know the proper name of the country. I just really amusing myself. Yeah, the uh, the and name of the country. Apparently, nobody else except Kit is na- laughing. The, the name of the country is Canada, and the demonym is Canadese. Exactly. Yeah. Kit says it's full of wolves. <laughs> I think um, he said filled with wolves, which is kind of what I like to think about. I'm sure you do. And write about. Uh, hello again, eh? <laughs> Following up to episode 40, <laughs> I sent the secondary punctuation marks just to see what you thought of them. And I do agree with Kyle when he said that they should not need to be used. 
as you should be able to create a description that is decent enough to avoid their use. Although I can see them being used in poetry, where you might not have much space or enough syllables to get your point across how you would wish if you had more space. Secondly, Mr. Gold, I must correct something you said in the last episode, which was actually 17 episodes ago. As an avid lacrosse player, I'll have you know that across all lacrosse types, indoor, box, and field, I think I can safely say that there are well over 200,000 fans. Ah, don't be bitter. It is even the national sport of Canada, so it, yes, it is quite popular. But I digress, as this is a writing podcast, not a sports podcast. That's okay, sports digressions are allowed. We made Super Bowl picks and all. I was talking about Kennesaw Mountain Landis. Exactly. Which is obscure even for sports fans. I don't know many baseball fans who would know who that is, actually. With that in mind, I'd like to make a suggestion. With your constant encouragement to practice editing and or reviewing stories to better your own writing, there seems to be a lot of furs who wish to get their stories critiqued and reviewed, maybe even edited. So what I suggest is this. How about you guys try to set up some kind of sign-up for a peer editing system? What I mean is that you could have a sign-up list for volunteers who would be willing to give actual feedback or even edits to short stories or excerpts from longer ones. This would create a service for those who wish to practice editing or analyzing and would provide somewhat decent feedback for the receiving author. This may sound a bit redundant in comparison to F.A. or So Furry, not at all, but this would give a prospective author much more thorough feedback than Oh Murr or Cool Story Bro that seems to occur commonly <laughs> on the previously stated sites. Okay, maybe not the latter example, but you get what I mean. I think that's related to a letter we got from Candrel, which we haven't read yet, where he was like thinking of adding a I wish I was that fox button to his stories. Dude, if if like I ever saw like somebody post a story online and have a comment that said cool story bro, I would die. <laughs> what if that's it, just amazing? What if it was cool story bra? <laughs> no, no, it has to be cool story bro. Okay. It's basically like like the cool internet diss way of saying TLDR. Whereas cool story bra would be actually more sincere probably maybe donry would say that i don't know okay uh He's anyway pretty brotastic he writes 10 minutes later this idea sounded much better in my head when i first thought of it but now that i see it written down i feel as if it might not be as practical as i thought what do you suggest wondering if your pants are in fact being worn spots hey well, spots. spots we're gonna leave you in suspense on that last point exactly because we never you never know for sure I will say that I am, in fact, wasting away here in Margaritaville, thanks to Kit. I'm actually in Margarita number three right now. And we have still not found your shaker of salt. No, have not. But I think that's a great idea. Um, we kind of have that unofficially going already. Uh, we've got Candrel, we've got Atari Otter, and there was I thought there was one other person who volunteered to do editing. Do you remember oh, who that was? who was it? Was it Pyro? It was either Pyro or Buck. I think it was Pyro. I think it was Pyro. If not Pyro, you're going to get a whole bunch of emails from people who want you to edit their, edit their stories now. So uh, I do know that more than once you called out Atari during Rainforest to say, this guy will read your stories and critique them if you send them to him. It was only more than it was only one time, and it was only more than once because I said it twice in succession. Wasn't it at two different panels? No. Okay. It was just one. I know you called me out more than once for finding the most unsexy way to talk about sexy things. Yes. I made as a habit of that over the whole weekend. As anyone who's listened to the Rain for a podcast will find out. Kei Mirasaki, how do you write a really hot sex scene? 
Well, first you take the girl. No, wait. <laughs> there's no girls in my stories. First you take the boy and you take his clothes off. It is preferable to do this in a manner that is going to be sexy to the reader. <laughs> Secondly, you make sure to describe the sexy parts really well. <laughs> he stuck his sex in her sex and they had sex. He sexed her yeah. right good. I'm trying to remember what, what it was at the uh, erotic writing panel that unfortunately did not get recorded. But I did it again there. You did, and I, I don't recall exactly what that one was. Yeah, I was on a roll for not being sexy this weekend. Sorry. Um, But, yeah, so we are kind of doing that unofficially. I would not necessarily want to administer a website like that, but I can no. see it being something where... If somebody wants to do that website and you're good at coding, go for it. I mean, I could see a way... I could see people setting up maybe some something on their FA accounts where they're like, send me your story and I'll... I guess just... Or send me a link to your story and I'll post my critique on it if they want it public. But... Um, Speaking of Sachita, he's apparently working closely with Candrol, and he's getting some good feedback on his stories. Oh, yeah. I remember he mentioned that. Yeah. Um, so, at least that's working. Atari says he's gotten a few people. Um, so, it's... Uh, what's Atari's FA? He's Atari Otter. Is it Atari Otter? Yeah. Candrol is K-A-N-D-R-E-L, and uh, Pyrostinger is... Pyrostinger. So, if any of y'all want your stories edited or critiqued, drop one of those guys a note on FA and uh, see if you can't get some feedback. Please don't drop them to us, just as a disclaimer. Exactly. In case you're listening to this podcast for the first time, neither Kyle nor I have the free time and cycles to review your stories, unfortunately. And if you would like to... It's not because we don't love you. No, it's not. If you would like to be considered as a reviewer, editor, slash critiquer, um, drop us a note at the unsheathed fa yeah as opposed works. to just sending us an email i mean i guess i'll see it from week to week and we'll announce it on the podcast so you could send us an email to unsheathedpodcast at gmail.com but otherwise sounds cool to me yeah and thanks for the i apologize for dissing lacrosse i never meant to do that um i got hit in the head with lacrosse ball once during a high school gym i watched with great uh, interest the final between Duke and Virginia this past year. Did you really? Yeah, actually. Well, I watched the end of it because it was close. I think it was Duke and Virginia. I was about to say something about Duke and then I realized it got like way too much into your real life and I shouldn't mention it on the podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get called out again because I'm going to get the teams wrong, I'm sure. But I thought it was Duke and Virginia. I know it was Duke because they ended up winning. <laughs> what a surprise. Yeah, I know. Seriously. <laughs> But hey, at least they didn't rape any cheerleaders on their way off the field. Ohio! <laughs> Try not to suck any dicks on your way over. <laughs> Get back here. Get back here. <laughs> All right, why don't, you, why don't you take us from Canada down under? Down under. Hello, Fox and Otter type writers. By the way, not thank in the you way we usually mean that. <laughs> thank you for your correct use of hyphenization in that. Oh, hyphenation. <laughs> I gotta correct you on your hyphenizing. <laughs> I was always hyphenizing that little red car. Fulf here, writing from currently sunny Australia. I hope I didn't miss the Australia podcast as I was away from my flat here in Sydney and away from my beloved laptop for a whole week <laughs> as I was in Canada, north of Queensland. QLD. 
While I was away, I got to eat breakfast amidst a pack of 20-plus lions, hike through the oldest rainforest in the world, watch the sunset over the mountains from a kayak just off the coast, and I got to scuba dive on the Great Barrier Reef. Wow, he was in a rainforest while we were in a rainforest. Man, I'm jealous. I think he got the better deal. Yeah, well, I don't know. Well, I did have Canadians to hang out with. Anyway, there was a lot of travel in a Toyota van between those points, so I'm glad I had the podcast to listen to. Well, I'm glad to have you as a listener. Yeah. While I was away, I noticed something. It gave me a ton of creative energy, being in the rainforest and away from so many things that distract me. Unfortunately, I didn't get to use a lot of creative energy I discovered as I was away with my study group, which was filled with 20-year-old guys, all straight preppy kids, too young to drink in the States, and intent on, as the Australians would say, getting pissed off their face every night. That means getting very drunk. I, I did learn uh, from my uh, my Aussie and Kiwi friends that getting pissed does not mean getting angry. Right. There's also the phrase, give your ferret a run, which I think is a New Zealand thing. Does Roland know about that? I don't know. If he doesn't, I'm going to make fun of him for it. Because <laughs> I think that means something very different up here. Yeah. It made me wish I was away with a notebook, pen, and a couple of my furry friends instead of the American peanut gallery that I was with at the time. Hey, we Yanks aren't all a peanut gallery. I say heckling on my own podcast. That got me to wondering, have you guys ever gone on a writing retreat? I know they exist, little planned week excursions designed to get your writing rhythm going when life gets in the way. I've often thought about trying to get together a few furry writers, maybe 5 to 10, and going away someplace, and aiming to have like 20,000 words by the end of the week. Have either of you ever done anything like that? Anyway, have an awesome Australia-themed podcast. I've been trying to get all the Aussies I know to write in. A lot of them are just fans and not writers, but I'm trying to get them to write in anyway. I can assure you, you have plenty of fans over here. And my mate might be Constaff for mid for 2012, so hopefully we'll see you there. Now, when he says mate, does he mean, like, boyfriend or, like, his friend? Yeah, you can't tell. Yeah. I, I think he means, like, mate, mate. I, th- I and think not he means like, boyfriend, not, like, put another shrimp on the barbie, mate. Not, like, oi, cabo, mate. Yeah. Right. Oh, wow. that <laughs> He's probably going to hate me for saying that. It's like That's, like, fake Australian slang, I think. It might be. But if he hates fake Australian slang, he's already going to hate me. <laughs> Friendly tail wags. TJ Fulf. Um, that's cool. Yeah. Um, well, I, I've not gone on a writing retreat before, but no. But I bet if we tried to organize one, we could get people to go along. I mean, if it involves drinking and camping in the woods, that'd be cool. Well, I think the object is to write. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. We kind of go on a little writing retreat, but I don't know if Starbucks counts. <laughs> yeah. K- Kyle and I do hang out with the express purpose to. Uh, to just write while in each other's presence. But it's I sort of cut, try to osmotically bask in his talent and the hopes that it will help me. And I use him as a shield to keep away loud girls in the Starbucks. Because <laughs> if there's one thing I'm good at, it's driving away women. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, anyway, yeah, mid for 2012. Um, keep us in mind. We'd love to get down there. Um, if Midfur wants to invite us as guests of honor and fly us out to Australia for free, we won't say no. I think I think they may not be able to fly us down, but they might invite us and put us up. I don't think I could ever afford to fly to Australia if somebody wants to. I'm not well, even we'll going to kit cut that. First, first we got to first we got to uh, 
get the invitation. Then we'll deal with the logistics. Um, but Kit and I would certainly love to head down there. So, if I, sp- any- I spent my entire childhood wanting to someday go to Australia. And then I went to college. And I'm like, my dream is by the end of college to get an exchange program to Australia. And when I finally applied for an exchange program, I went to Japan instead. Which, Japan is still pretty cool. Japan is still pretty cool. It's not Australia, though. Although they do drink a lot in both countries. Yeah. It's just more ritualized in Japan. I don't know, man. Have you seen how much Australians drink beer? It's pretty much a ritual for them, too. No, yeah, but I was going to say, there's not ritual surrounding it. It's pretty much just... They just drink a lot. Yeah. I'd say, with no first-hand knowledge of either country, but... um, the Japanese word for beer is biru. That's with a do. Um, but yeah, but I've always wanted to go to Australia, so... Yeah. Even though our friends tell us that everything in Australia wants to kill us. Well, apparently not TJ Fulf. No, he likes apparently us. not. Which is good, if we had some Australian bodyguards yeah. to keep the clock spiders away. I'm sorry that your Aussie friends uh, didn't all write in like you asked them to. And well, they haven't yet. Conversely, I'm also sorry that this isn't actually an Australian-themed podcast and more just an international-themed podcast. It's unsheathed around the world. There we go. But hey, I did talk about wanting Landon Donovan to be a dingo. That counts as Australian, right? Yeah, kind of. And uh, I'm trying to think of uh, something else. Someone else came up from Australia recently. I'm trying to remember why I was talking to someone from Australia. But anyway, wines of Australia. <laughs> a lot of people in this country, people Australian table wines. Sorry. <clears throat> so I think a write and retreat is a great idea. I don't know when we'll ever have the vacation time to do it because we spend most of our vacation time going around to furry cons. But, um, but I think it'd be cool. Maybe I can just sponsor one and show up in the evenings. We'll have it like a little retreat here in the Bay Area or something. I'm trying to think of where it would be good down here. I actually think Monterey would be a great place. Ooh, Monterey would be. They have otters. They do have otters. But they're sea otters and not the cool kind of otters. Well, they have the cool kind of otters. They're just in a pen in the aquarium. Yeah, and they probably don't have laptops. If they sit up, they do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to come back from Australia to the good old U.S. of A., with a letter from our favorite basketball playing rabbit. He is our favorite basketball playing rabbit. KG2, KFish, KTech, sup? Sup. So I heard your call and I'm ready to come off the bench. Let's break down this baller name problem Roron's got. I don't know how much time you got left on the clock, but if you're in the fourth quarter, let's go for the quick points. Baller names do not have to begin with a letter. In fact, there's no hard rules about what goes into a baller name at all. It doesn't even have to be short. A good baller name does have to pop, though, and by that I mean it has to have a quick, accurate connection with some quality of the fur it's given to. That quality can be anything at all, but it needs to be something that immediately identifies the fur. I'm especially proud of the baller name I gave you, K-Fish, and I feel it's a perfect example of how a baller name should be. Here's why. First, I took something that identifies you, your species. Then instead of spelling it out by using the word otter, I took a related idea and picked a word describing something in an otter's diet. Even better. I don't know why he didn't call you Kate Clam, but... <laughs> we already had the River Clam discussion. Just keep going. <laughs> I know. I just wanted to say it. 
I found a one-syllable word. As I said, a baller name's got to pop. I don't see what's wrong with clam. Now, I can't just call you fish. You just say fish, and it makes someone think of a trout before it does an otter, especially a riding otter like yourself. Now, there'd be no point in using your whole name, so I just took the first letter, K, and attached it to the other idea. And now when someone hears the baller name, the K first bends his thoughts toward the beginning of your name, then an image of something related to your species. Between the two ideas that someone arrives at the further baller name is given to, yourself. In basketball, there's a play called a give-and-go. In it, the ball we starts... have that in the bedroom, too. Yeah, but... <laughs> Sorry. The ball doesn't start away from the basket there. Oh! Nice. Uh... B-Hop writes, in it, the ball starts away from the basket, gets passed to another player also away from the basket, then gets passed inside to the first player who moves into the paint for a quick open look down low. A perfect baller name does the same thing. Instead of directly describing the fur, it takes two separate and distant points about that fur and fuses them so that when you put them together, you have a clear look at who's being described, just like a clear shot at the rim. Letters are great for making those quick connections, but they're not necessary. The otter who recorded the opening and closing music of your podcast is Colson, and his otter, his baller name is Otbeat. I doubt I need to explain how I came up with that one. I have another friend, another otter friend, who's big into photography, so I call him Fotot. Or is that Fotot? No, it's Fot, because there's two T's. Fotot. I've been debating that myself ever since I saw it. Cultural and regional references can be a perfect tool in coming up with baller names. I know a guy who draws incredible kids' cartoon-style illustrations down in SoCal. I call him KB after the toy chain. Whenever someone watches me on FA, I always give back a baller name in the watcher's shouts. So if you want a baller name, now you know how to get one. Often I have to come up with divs names on the, with the smallest bits of information, just whatever I can glean from their name and what's on their site. And while I often use letters in making them, there's been plenty of times I haven't had to resort to that. Some of the baller names I've given are Big Brid, Jojack, Pudge, Canis One, KV, and 2J. And sometimes the references are more personal. You mentioned V6, who was originally AV6. The first part was obviously the initials of his name, and the number 6 was lifted from the number of John Stoat's jersey. That's the character he voices on my podcast. Very quickly, though, I realized AV6 was too long, but V6 had punch. Every baller name should have punch, so that's how he got his current baller name. I actually wondered about that. Yeah. Now we know. It's not the engine. Anyway, I hope this thing clears I hope this clears things up for your listener. Since he did ask about his own baller name, I've been thinking this one out and I've got one for him. Whitfox. I'm basing this baller name on the poetry I found on his DA page. Walt Whitman was one of America's finest poets, so I think swapping out the syllable representing Whitman's species with that of Rorun's should make a good baller name for the guy. I hope he likes it. I never thought of man being a species identifier but i guess it is a kind of like you know dark man dark fox dark wolf uh, what species is leonardo dicaprio in the forest universe oh gosh he's not like leonardo dicaprio is he no <sighs> i don't you know got, if like, i have him in the forest universe is it, is it arnold schwartz is it Schwar- schwarzenotter yeah it's schwarzenotter but i borrowed that from then, the cooner's boxer universe then, uh, Lauren Bacali, of course. Yeah, that one was mine. <laughs> um, anyway, best wishes, and as always, great job on your podcast. Be op number seven. Man, like, I have to, that's, 
that's my other shout out for Rainforest is B-Hop, you continue to impress me with just how much you get it. Like that description of like the give and go and like relating that to like what a baller name is supposed to be. I'm just listening to you say that. I'm like, that is just brilliant. It is. Like it's just great. like that mental connection. And uh, we were actually having a conversation at one of the panels and I was mentioning, uh, I was talking about Roar Volume 3. And he asked me, he's like, oh, he's like, is that V6 is doing that? And like, I just immediately, I'm like, no, no, that's B cut. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he stopped. He goes, I am so proud of this baller name thing that like, not only like, are people using them, but they can use them like in context without thinking, which shows that it's working. Oh, yeah. But like, he just says V6. I know exactly who he means. I'm like, no, no, it's B. And I just respond with that. He, 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 was, cool. he was pleased as punch. Well, he's a great guy. He is a and great guy. he is planning to be down for our live podcast show. So if you want to meet him and get a baller name in person, October 23rd, South San Jose, I'm just saying. For those of you who missed uh, B-Hop you know, not being able to contribute to our live podcast at Rainforest, that was because he was cruelly scheduled directly opposite us with his own panel. Oh, yeah. Which is why he was not in attendance. He was very sad about that. We'll have to fix that next year. There was some profanity when I told him. I'm like, oh, like, he's like, when's your guy's podcast? I'm like, oh, I like, guess night at nine. And he's just all like, Arr! I will not. Rainforest, oh. I think, was the first time I actually met him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I last year's Rainforest was when I met him, too. I remember him being at our writing panels there and thinking, yeah. wow, he's into sports and Head likes writing. my gay sex books. Yeah. And he was asking all, and he was asking really good questions. Yeah. And, and uh, now we're friends. And we are. So why don't you... Uh, when you take us home, and by home I mean our old our ancestral old home. home, the old country. Take a trip east from the mountain biker, mountain biker, the mountain bunker. For a little bit of Fox's Cream. Jaunt, jaunt out to New England and then hop the pond back to old England. Jolly old. Dear Unsheathed, back when I started listening to your podcast at the start of the year, you were the inspiration for me to finally pick up a pen and try writing a story. Thank you. I hope you didn't actually pick up a pen. I hope you typed. <laughs> but I was dismayed to discover whilst listening to Unsheath 51, and if the tardiness of this email is anything to go by, you can imagine <laughs> when I'm actually getting around to <laughs> posting something online. Oh, please. 51, that's only six episodes ago. That's not tardy at all. Yeah, and we just read an episode that was sent after number 40, so yeah. we're no slouch in the tardy department. That you have not had a native speaker of the Queen's English to write into your podcast. So I thought I'd amend that for you and write in with a related question. Yay. You see, most people in Britain can reasonably claim to be bilingual, speaking both British and American English, mostly due to the amount of American literature and film that is imported, or exported from your point of view. See, we understand that a flashlight is a torch, an elevator is a lift, a vacation is a holiday, and that you all spell color wrong. We actually had an argument about this at Camp Farrell with the Canadians. Yeah. Of particular note for its potential to cause confusion and embarrassment is that in Britain, the word pants is another word for underwear. Because of this, your regular discussions about whether you are or are not wearing pants sound much more risque on this side of the Atlantic. Interestingly enough, the word pants is the Japanese word for underwear. Wow. Yeah. So uh, they must have gotten that from the Brits. I guess so, actually. Yeah. That makes sense. I can see yeah. that. Commodore Perry. Finish Sorry. the letter. <laughs> this isn't historic sheath. This bilingual, but it kind of is. It's international linguistic history sheath cast. 
This bilinguality comes in handy quite often, what with Yanks so significantly outnumbering Brits on the internet. That's However, not something we're proud of, by the way. <laughs> I think it's because our country is bigger and fits more people. I think it's because our people are stupider and have less to do. <laughs> Touche. Says the person who's mostly, personality is mostly on the internet. So take that as you will. However, whilst rereading some of my scribblings, I'll call them stories and one of them develops characters in a plot, I noticed that I had automatically written them in British English. In the past, I've had problems with Americans not speaking British English. The pants issue is of particular note here, but I don't know if this is true for the wider American population. If possible, I'd like to continue writing in British English, as this is what comes naturally to me, but if doing so alienated American readers, then this would be foolhardy of me. So my question is, can Americans in general read British English? Switching over to American English in future wouldn't be too much effort, and anything I've already written could be translated easily enough during editing, so workload isn't an issue. Thanks in advance for any help and advice. Quinn Hour. P.S. Thanks to you, I can no longer look a pack of Fox's Creams with a straight face. Well, as and, it uh, happens, we have a, a couple little Fox's Creams left here. Yes. So in Quinn's honor, we'll enjoy them now. I'm rubbing it between my fingers. I'm licking mine. <laughs> um, so I think in yeah. general, Americans are more cognizant of British English than you might think. Because yeah, we get it. We, we might not be able to produce it, but we understand it. Um, I personally actually watch quite a bit of British television, so I'm like pretty hip to how they say things. Mm-hmm. And it's not even just the slang; it's like the little things, like saying like "I haven't got" instead of "I don't have." Or uh, example, I just did one. <laughs> I know, but I was eating and I couldn't get to get the word out in time. Oh, well, there you go. It's the little differences. Yes, or like. Uh, well, like, like did they, the have, British, Mac- the did they British- have McDonald's over in Britain? Like, what do they call the Big we're Mac? Not, we're not doing this bit. <laughs> like, like in America, we don't use the word "needn't" a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you needn't do that. Like, that just doesn't sound very American. But you could say, like, oh, you needn't do that. And as Americans, we know what that means. We just don't. We wouldn't say it. Well, it's also the style of speech. I mean, yeah. the British are famous for understatement. And Americans probably overstate the amount of understatement that the British people do, but I've heard some very classic examples of British understatement, which is very dry yeah. and very entertaining. Although I, I love, especially dry and whatnot, I love the, the British adjective shit, which we don't really use. Shit? No, no, just shit. Like, oh, oh. that was shit. Like, we don't, it, it's, it's not a noun, it's an adjective. Right, right, right. And uh, take the piss. Yeah, take the piss, which is not the same as getting pissed. Right. Which is not the same as getting pissed here. Did I tell you about the time that uh, I had a one of my British co-workers look at me in horror when I referred to one of my friends blowing me off? They're like, mm-hmm. oh, it's like, how did your night go last night? I'm like, oh, not so great. My friend blew me off. And he's just like, TMI? And I'm like, What? <laughs> And that's how I learned what blowing off means in the UK. Which is funny because when uh, when we say, that, I'm just thinking because they add the word. Yeah. And here, like when we say we're going to move in Britain, they say move house. Yeah. And like you don't just say 
you know, we're packing up to move. Oh, we're packing up to move house. We had an extended discussion with one of our British friends about this because we were like, what's wrong with just saying move? Why do you have to specify house? Where else are you going to move? Do, if you're moving from a flat, do you say move flat? And she's like, no, you just say move house. <laughs> and we're like, but, but why? And she's like, well, if you just say move, what does that mean? It just means you're like, <laughs> move your body? What? Yeah. It's not specific. And we're like, well, why would we ever say you're going to, you're packing up to move your body? That doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, you know, I, I, can, I can ring you on my mobile. Yes. But anyway. Back to the answering your question. I think most Americans can understand British English. Yeah. And I think the important thing is whatever you do to be consistent. Yeah. And I would worry that, you know, we as – I know we as Americans – you probably have a better handle on American English than we do of British English. But I would be worried that you could write maybe 85 to 90% well in American English – but that there would be a couple little hidden things, like you're saying, like yeah. you were saying, the little things that would, yeah. that would that would kind of trip you up and not ring true if you tried to write all in American English, unless you lived over here for a while, or like you know, Condor lived over in England for a while, you could probably pick it up a yeah. little better back and forth. But if you're basing all of your American English off movies and people on the internet, then I, I don't see there's any problem with sticking with British English. Yeah, and if if that's what your natural instinct is to write in, go with that. Don't try to force it into something that, you know, is less comfortable for you, mm-hmm. which seems like good advice for anything, really, not just what language mode should I do. Exactly. Don't but, force it. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> when we were doing the writing challenges at Rainforest, and people were turning in their stories. One guy was trying to fit something into his laptop so that he could print his story off. And he said, how did he put it? He's like, I just jam it in there and then pull it out when I'm done. <laughs> and the whole room turned and looked at him. And he was like, I didn't mean it like that. Actually, that's exactly how I meant it. <laughs> awesome. Okay. And I believe he's one of the people who's going to be helping with the writing track next year. So, Oh, cool. I I remember his real name, but not his fur name, so oh, I'm just going to leave it. I don't remember his fur name either. Anyway, good on you. As I there say, in Australia. That, I was going to say, that's not an American English no, that's phrase Australian. either. Good on you, mate. Um, yeah, because a quick note, like, like the Harry Potter books are semi-notorious for being Americanized when they were released over here, but that's mainly because the Harry Potter books are quote-unquote kids' books. Um, even though they're kind of not, but you know, like, you know, somebody who's 12 probably doesn't get Britishisms as much as an adult would. Yeah, I'd agree. Be like, what's a lorry? Why are they saying crisps instead of chips? But I mean, hell, I read British kids books when I was nine or 10 growing up and I figured stuff out from context. Yeah. Like when I was reading, uh... Like the old the dark is bit. rising. Oh yeah, where it's like oh, like he has like his torch and oh, and like the Narnia books. It's like oh, yeah, like his torch and I'm like wait, he doesn't have like a torch. Narnia books. The the dark is rising were, I believe those were American books written in a British setting. But I right, might be but wrong. It, it isn't. 
I, I believe there's like a reference like to torch as flashlight, like maybe because it it will because it takes place in the UK. Yeah, well, it does. The, the here parts do. Right, right. Um, yeah, the it's Narnia been a books, while since I've read those. The Narnia books, um, the Inez bit, if you remember them, the Phoenix mm. and the Carpet ones. I believe those were British too. Anyway, write write British English. Write what you love and believe in. Yes. Do the right thing. Fight the power. Stick it to the man. All that. Or whatever you do when you have a hung parliament or something. I was going to say stick it to the man also, but anyway. Um, Everything I know about British politics I learned from the amazing Mrs. Pritchard. No. Yes, and, and and we get a fair number of BBC shows over here, too, so... We get a few. Of us. I wouldn't say we get a fair number. I would say we get a fair number, comparatively. Nah. I bet they get more of our shows than we get of theirs. But I bet percentage-wise, we get more of their shows than they do of ours. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure it's worth arguing about, to be honest. Um, but... <laughs> Kid is giving us the "shut up, I want to go to bed" sign. So, um, Homer, I wish I was that fox, and by that fox I mean you. I wish. Oh wait, I am. <laughs> I remember that. That was classic. Um. Anyway, hope that answers all your questions. Write more letters, unsheathedpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on LiveJournal as Kyle Gold, on Twitter as Kyle Gold, and on Furfinity as Kyle. You can find me as Cam Hirasaki on all three of those. We hope you enjoyed our little tour around the world. If anybody's out there from a country we did not yeah, represent people from other countries. in this show, please write in and say hi to us and ask Anyone us Anyone from questions. Western or Eastern Europe, feel free. Yep. Or Africa? Oh, yeah. Well, Foosball's technically know. from Africa. Well, yeah, but he's not there now. Well, but he's from there. Or, um, I know I have some fans in Asia. I know I have uh, some Twitter followers from South America. Oh, yeah. I have yeah. Some, we have some Brazilian fans. A few fans, Brazilians, quite yeah. A, quite a few. And apparently I have some Mexican fans as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Neat. Apparently they draw blotch characters reciting my stories or dialogue or something. I just remember Blender doing Diego Lebowski. <laughs> oh, God, that was great. Shut the fuck up, Bayshore. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to leave you with that. Yes. Thank you all. Come to our podcast, uh, South San Jose, October 23rd. Good night. Bring your friends. And keep writing. <laughs>